This is Red Pub Pod. Welcome to Red Bud Pod. A podcast. Welcome to Red Bud Pod. <laughs> <laughs> From Red Hot Publications. Red Pub Pod. Red Pub Pod. Welcome to Red Pub Pod. I'm Richard Eller. With me is our editor-in-chief, Robert Knipe. Hello out there in podcast land. <laughs> and boy, do we have something special for you today. It goes without saying that veterans are very important to American society. They do so many things that the rest of us enjoy the benefits of that we don't have to go through. And especially in all the years of the volunteer army. Absolutely, yes. Yes. And so it is with a lot of pride that Red Hawk Publications has been fortunate enough to publish uh, a work by North, I guess North Carolina veterans for the most part, called Brothers and Sisters Like These, an anthology of writing by veterans. And two of the veterans who were a part of this join us today, Ron Toller and Stephen Henderson. Welcome to Red Pud Pop. Thank you very much. Thank you. Start with telling us about how this book came together, because actually this is a sequel, right? That's correct. Yes. It uh, it came about because our, our first one was very successful but it was a group of all-male vets when we were brothers like these. And then we went into uh, the VA, started, they had the program. It was started by our medical doctor. And then, uh, uh, and uh, Joseph Piante, which was uh, the state poet laureate, was our teacher. And then the VA kind of started slacking off, and when COVID hit, they just quit. So Ron and uh, attorney John Mason and Alan Perkel and myself, we, we decided to incorporate and start a nonprofit and continue the classes. But in doing that, we found a big need in the Iraq, Afghan era vet and the Desert Storm vet. And so, <clears throat> in doing so, we also, there were a lot more women involved and even in combat. So we got our, found our first female combat vet and it was just quite moving. And a lot of things they did in Iraq and Afghanistan, they, we did in Vietnam. And uh, she was just so great, and she wrote a story about that, and that won the hearts over the Vietnam vets. Okay, and, and her work is in here? Yes. Okay. Stacy Lissenberger, and she has been a big part of our group. She works at the VA, and uh, so she has really, uh, really helped our group and, and her and... Um, uh, Elizabeth, Elizabeth Henney, they did a group of women that had been sexually assaulted and molested uh, while serving this great nation, which is, I feel like, one of the worst atrocities of the military, yeah. how these women were treated. A lot of them were officers, and their superiors were the perpetrators. And so... We had a class on that and found out that writing not only helped PTS, mild TBI, and now it's helped sexual trauma. And so it's, it's just like everything just keeps coming together with us. And we see these people. We've got a young vet uh, that has gone to work for a local municipality. He could not work outside the home because he had TBI and PTS. And now this young man has worked 11 months for a local municipality. He has 11 people under him, and they're just tickled to death with him. So he finally got to use his degree. Wow, that's quite a success story. Yeah. And it sounds like it started really as, as therapy, more so than with the idea of, of producing a, a book. Oh, uh, yes. Uh, the prompts were thrown out, and it was like the well opened up. I mean, the Vietnam-era vet, we hadn't talked about or wrote about or 
uh, our experiences, and then all of a sudden, non-riders, a lot of guys at all ends of the education level, they all came together in the story spew. The best story that it was in our first book, the one that really touches the audience the most across the sea, um, that, that guy lived in the country. All he did was go to work, come home, and it, it was amazing because he, he wrote this poem across the sea about Vietnam. And, and you could see the wheels turning, and you could also see this guy that always sat in the corner and never spoke. All of a sudden, he is our spokesperson. And so, um, you know, it, it was amazing because he couldn't even go in the grocery store. He went to work every day, come home, he stayed away from crowds. I mean, he was a nervous wreck for 46 years. And now he goes with us everywhere. He does everything we do. He did the black box dancers. We did up the road in Morganton. We did it in Asheville. We did it in Cary, North Carolina. And they danced our stories. So we have just partnered with so many different people and created a, a atmosphere where veterans, they want, they want what we got. So right there, that proves the therapeutic aspect of writing. I mean, the, after 46 years, he penned a poem that kind of cleared his palate of all of his, his trauma and put that out in the world for other people to understand. And now he is basically back in society. Yes. Being functional again. That's correct. Yeah, that's marvelous. Ron, have you seen that kind of transformation in veterans, too, Yes, through this? We definitely have. And David, who he's talking about, is very proud of the fact that he has read his poem in 49 different instances now and uh, is looking forward to doing number 50. So we have, we have seen, uh, the, as Stephen said, the program was started by Dr. Bruce Kelly at the VA, and he recognized that uh, a number of his patients had issues that they hadn't dealt with, and he pushed through the program to start the program at the VA. They actually did... Um, They've done five different classes, we call them classes, at the, at the VA itself. But as Stephen said, things started tapering off, and we recognized Dr. Kelly's objective was to work with the Vietnam veterans, and we recognized that there were follow-on veterans, if you will, Desert Storm, Iraq, Afghanistan, that could benefit from the therapeutic aspects, if you will, of the program. And we didn't want them to wait 40 or 50 years, as we have done, to get some relief to be able to tell their stories and have them. Part of the, and Stephen and I were discussing it on the way down, part of the benefit of the program is when the veterans get together and they start writing with this program, they also start to recognize that the others in the group have had similar experiences and they're not alone. A lot of them, up until the point that they have an opportunity like this, think they're the only ones that are experiencing PTS and they don't even recognize them. A lot of them never knew a name to put to it. But once they start with the group and start meeting others, it's almost in some ways like they're back in the service because they're with others that have served. And they recognize, and 
it encourages them to further tell their stories because they've got a sympathetic audience listening in the group that they're writing with. And they're interested in hearing the stories around them from their comrades. And their comrades are interested in hearing their stories. And it's just, it, it just continues to build. And we have, uh, there's a, there are a number that have become very close because of this experience. Uh, so, yes, it's therapeutic. Yes, it's beneficial. And yes, what we were trying to do was incorporate the women, as Stephen has said, and the younger veterans. And we've been fortunate to be able to do, do that to an extent, too. Yeah, and I would like to take this moment to uh, mention that uh, the new book, Brothers and Sisters Like These, is available at uh, redhawkpublications.com. And it will be available from you guys at a special meeting that you're having or a special show you're having sometime toward the end of the month? We are going to do a reading uh, with 15 to 20 of our members at the Flat Rock Playhouse in Flat Rock, North Carolina on the 29th of January at 2 p.m. It's a Sunday afternoon. We'd love to have as many people come as we can, and a lot of the stories that will be read at that are from the second book. So please, folks, put that on your calendar and show up and give these guys some support. Their their first book, Brothers Like These, is available from Amazon.com, as is Brothers and Sisters Like These. You can get it on Amazon as well. One of my favorite pieces in this book is a piece that you wrote, Mr. Toller, called Flak Jacket. Um, it's kind of like a prose poem where you utilize the flak jacket as kind of a an analogy for um, not only keeping things out, like ordinance and, you know, things that will hurt you, but you, you, you speak about it keeping things in as well. There's a line in here that's marvelous that's called body armor that held in the loss of youth, the anger at times the rage, the sorrow for what we had seen and done. Uh, from where did this prose poem come from? In your, in your, because see, these guys are not only editors and guys that put this stuff together; they're writers too. Right, Each sure. one of you have pieces in in this book. Right. I have been very fortunate. Um, when we split off, we have used Elizabeth Henney as our writer in residence, and uh, she does an excellent job with the veterans, and I've kind of been an assistant, if you will, uh, in the classes to her. So I've sat in on a number of the classes that we have done. And over the course of those classes and hearing so many of the stories, uh, this poem came to me. um, And it really was... um, In my mind, it was what a lot of the guys and girls have experienced. Um, You know, we did wear a flak jacket in country in Vietnam or downrange, as they say, in in Iraq and Afghanistan. And as you said, the objective of it was to protect us and to keep us uh, safe, as, as safe as possible. But it also um, served as, uh, or could serve as, body armor, as I said in the in the poem. And uh, I was fortunate, have been fortunate. I think Steve and I both have to witness, uh, as he said, David, the young man who was a country boy and they called him a country boy. He sat in on the first four or five classes and I think he was probably in one of the first classes that was done. And he didn't write anything for 
three or four of the meetings, which is kind of unusual. And his wife told him when he went home, she said, you know, you better write something or they're going to kick you out of the class. Now, that wouldn't have happened, but it motivated him to sit down, and he sat down, and he still carries the original notes that he sat down and he wrote that poem in one sitting. And to me, uh, his poem across the sea encapsulates the experience of the Vietnam veteran extremely well. And, you know, uh, I have had the opportunity to see several people open up like that and start to share their experiences and their recollections. And the poem that I wrote was a result of that. You see a lot of aspects to um, the veteran experience in here because when you were talking about um, female veterans, I read one where she was talking about finding community, and it was easy to do with an older veteran. He'd served in Vietnam, and she, she'd served later. Um, but that's just sort of a natural thing that you guys see happen probably all the time, right? Uh, it, we got that idea from the VA does a moral injury group, which is big in the South, because most of us were raised in a moral home or we were raised in church. And we had to do a lot of things in war that was totally against what we were taught. I see. Mm-hmm. Okay. So in our last class, we met this Monica Blankenship, her stories in this book. And it has to do, she felt like she was not a war vet because she did medevacs in and out of Vietnam. And she's also done them in other war zones for several years. And she met her husband in Vietnam, which was a doctor. And uh, he just passed away in the last four years. And she's moved to Asheville. She's adopted an Afghan family of a, a man and woman and their two children. And she has this lady has so much compassion, it's just unbelievable. But she talked about her friend that was on a C five, which is a huge airplane. And they were rescuing babies at the end of the Vietnam War in nineteen seventy five. We'd pull troops out, and the communists were coming. I mean, they were coming fast. So she's sitting watching CNN a couple of years ago, and we were pulling out of Afghanistan. And she saw these Marines grabbing these babies and carrying them to the plane, and all this come back to her. And that's what we find with our vets. Something triggers it, and it comes back, you know. But it, to try to compress it again, which we were told to do when we come back from war, and they still do that. But if you write about it, it takes the, so much pressure off your shoulders and your mind. So this lady, they were rescuing 78 babies. Most of them were biracial. They were half American, half Vietnamese because of relationships, because of rape, because of all different means. And they knew when the communists come there, they would probably kill these babies. So they put them in these little boxes, tiny babies, and they put them on this plane, and each one of them had a service member, Army, Navy, Air Force, just whoever they could get together was leaving country. And each one of them had one of these babies. They changed and made sure they were fed and stuff. And the plane takes off out of Saigon, and it crashes in a rice paddy. Mm-hmm. And this lady, her one of her best friends, another medevac nurse, they're crawling back into the plane that burning, trying to save these babies and service members. 
and ended up, I think they got 48 of the 78 out. Some of them were severely injured, but uh, something like 30 of them perished, these little tiny babies, and she wrote this beautiful story. And I told her it had to be in the book. I think we put it in right at the last minute, but but she has she's found a home in Asheville, which is completely it, it's kind of crazy how she ended up there. And but we found that our Iraq Afghan vets they have so much to offer. We work with Veterans Treatment Court. And what they do, they take vets that due to injury or something, uh, one guy, 48 surgeries, and was on pain medication for 18 months, and they tried to wean him off too much, and he got on heroin. Mm. But they commit crimes. In Buncombe County, I'm proud to say, Judge Marvin Pope started a veterans treatment court. It's the only one, and there's three in North Carolina, but it's the only one that handles felonies. They just graduated a year and a half ago their first female combat vet out of that program, and she got her children back, and her children are straight-A students, and one of them's in a full-ride scholarship. Well, she's in our group, but we've We've we had classes there, and uh, Tommy Cannon and Elizabeth Henney did those classes with these these young men and women that you know that are really struggling. But all these people got their families back. They have to get a job. They have to get. So we've partnered with Veterans Treatment Court. We've partnered with the Blue Ridge Honor Flight. They allow us to read on every flight coming back from D.C. and offer our program to the veterans on that flight. So, you know, we've just seen so many people embrace us and want to be a part of us, and in turn we get to be a part of them and meet more and more veterans. But I've yet to see, you know, I I think over 100 has been through our program and, you know, Thirty um, some decide to put stories. A lot of them write them just for themselves, and they don't they don't read. But they're but they're still getting good out of it. Oh, well, you know, in, in almost twenty years of teaching literature and writing, I've come across a lot of very famous writers who surprised me. Uh, one is Ali Wiesel, who was a uh, Holocaust survivor who wrote the very famous book called Night. And a quote that I read from him years ago said, I write not to be understood, but to understand. So you're not really writing for an audience. You're writing for yourself Mm. to where you can understand what it is that you've been through. A very famous British writer, Virginia Woolf, she, she wrote a book called To the Lighthouse, and she said that when she finished that book, she finally understood why her mother made the decisions that she made when she was small that led to Virginia having a hard childhood. She never understood it before until she wrote the book. So what you're speaking of is this, um, is this thing that these people are writing to understand and in reading each other's stuff, because you mentioned a while ago, Mr. Toller, that you know your poem came out of some of the stuff you've 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 read and experienced. More understanding comes out of it because you are in a comfortable place where you feel like you're, you know, brothers and sisters. Because there is a thing in the military, is there not, that there's a camaraderie and you and a connection that is in no other aspect of human society. Would, would you say that that's true? It's totally correct, yes. I mean, from where does that come? Does that come from the life and death kind of aspect of the work? You share more with the person in the foxhole with you, in the plane with you. You share more with your brothers and sisters that you're fighting alongside than you've ever shared with your family. They see you at your best. They see you at your worst. And we found this... After 46 years, 
our guys go to class. By the third class, they're bonded together as a team because it's like serving again. Okay. Yeah, that looking out for each other. Right. Yeah. And, and it almost looks like you guys are giving them, and I, I hasten to use it this way, but a bit of a head start on their their recovery, however you'd want to put that, because it's taken 40-some years before you guys had the opportunity to do this. It's happening for the Iraq veterans much sooner than that. So you were kind of reaching out to those vets to say, this helps much in much earlier in their life than you had that opportunity. I love the way that Dr. Kelly uh, quotes. This is right at the top of the book. He talks. Uh, he quotes Ron Caps as saying, "Not everyone is a storyteller, but everyone has a story to tell." And so it's just a matter, I guess, at that point of helping folks get over, you know, fears about writing, uh, like you. And a class gives you that safe environment to do that. Right. Yeah. And there is an aspect to 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 this kind of work coming out that lets people know that this is. This is not hard. I mean, you can really, with editing each other and talking to each other, there's a lot of peer revision goes on. So if you think you're not a writer, you are a writer. You just have to get that skeleton of the story down that first time, and then other people will help you fashion it into what it needs to be. One of the ways uh, that the class is presented, if you will, is... Everybody is given an opportunity, and initially uh, with Elizabeth, she'll start out and, and use a word, uniform or service or something like that, and have the group write for five minutes or so, and then give them the opportunity to read what they've written. And... As the class progresses toward the end of the first class, they're given a prompt, and it's something to start with very simple, like where I'm from is one of the first prompts that we use. And the veteran has the opportunity at home to write the story of where I'm from. However they choose to do it, sometimes it's their childhood, Sometimes it's their overall upbringing, that sort of thing. And they come in the next week, and they have the opportunity to read their story to the other class members. And the other class members are instructed, I guess is the way to say it. But what we try to do is... When each person reads their story, I'm listening very intently so that I can pick out a word, a phrase that stands out in what they have written. And then as they finish reading their story, we go back and tell them the prompts, the words, the stories, the, the lines that were impactive, and it's positive reinforcement mm-hmm. to encourage them to write and to write further and to appreciate what they've written. You know, it may not resonate with them, but it resonates with others. And when you tell them that, then it gives them a different perspective on what they've written. That's marvelous. That's exactly the way that, you know, we're instructed to teach writing here at the community colleges. There's no such thing as bad writing. There's good writing, there's better writing, and then there's the best. And how do you get to the best but through revision and sharing your work with other people who give you that positive reinforcement? That's fantastic. Yeah, there's some. Uh, there's a couple of places in here where there's just lines that are just haunting uh, one guy talks about his tours over earlier than he thought, and he's leaving country, and he says at the very end of it, like, he just went through his own funeral because it wasn't a, you know, you did a good job, uh, uh, we're going to miss you, you know, this, the thing went on without him. And so I just, you know, to me, I just sat back for a few minutes and had to think about that. Plus, there's also those experiences, and there's a couple stories in here that talk about people coming to the, to the wall, 
of yes. of how um, how how important that was. You know, I mean, one guy went three or four times, I think, before he was able even to go. What's been the reaction? Because you, you've taken this on the road with the first book. You had some readings across the state. What's been the reaction from the, the people who've attended your readings? We uh, we offered to Fort Bragg to come down there in Federal with the North Carolina Arts Council. I actually footed the bill for it. And, and they made sure all our guys that wanted to go could go. And they decided they didn't want that at that time, so we offered it Jacksonville, North Carolina, Camp of June. Just of course, I'm, old, I'm old Marine, so that, that just lit me up like a Christmas tree. And we went down there, and this admiral that was over the TBI clinic down there stated, we feel like the art is doing more for our vets with PTS and mild TBI than we can ever do medically. That's a wow. that's a that's powerful a statement. Yeah. Yes. But so the arts council actually paid our room and board, and we uh, we read there, uh, we participated, and in turn, a young man was sitting there that. Uh, works with Duck, North Carolina, out on the Outer Banks. Uh, it's out where the wild horses are and all that. And he calls me up and he says, I, I, wanna, I want you guys to come down here. Tell me what I need to do. And I said, would you rent us a bus? He raised the money to rent us a bus. The hotels and motels in that area are hotels. They comped us rooms. There were Some of the restaurants comped us Mills, and we went down there and read for a packed house. And uh, then we got to doing this thing with the black box dancers. But, you know, we're the North Carolina Veterans Riding Alliance Foundation. You know, I have a story in, in, in the book. It took me six years to write about a traumatic experience in combat. But I just kept trying. I used to write stories just for myself because it made me feel so much better about combat, but I didn't want to share it. So I, that was the first one I shared. And it was about carrying a body around in a body bag of a young man that I really, uh, it, it, it just was amazing. He was the biggest Marine in our outfit and got killed walking point. And so we, uh, we've got guys that were uh, at the lowest end of the spectrum, grunts. We've got guys that were pilots. We've got guys, we've got one man that this has helped so much. He's a retired colonel. And he flew two different fighters in Vietnam. And then he went on to fly as the squadron leader for the first stealth that went downtown Baghdad, and and we all watched that on CNN, how they just pinpointed targets. And he was the commander of all these young hotshot pilots. And it was a bad experience at the end of that for him. The writing has really helped him. I was going to compliment you on that story, my first six days in the bush. That was a great story. Thank you. That was really good. That reminded me of so many other stories that I'd read, but the yeah. but the feeling of being there is 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 just translucent in that story. So accolades on that one. I've, I've got it, at the end of a lot of emails I send. Uh, uh, I've got this saying: In war, there's no one wounded soldier, and there isn't. I've met guys that you know the 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 mental is. A lot worse than the physical. Mm. But what we do here does not heal PTSD. Nothing will ever heal it or TBI, but it makes it manageable. And I'm telling you, like when we do this reading at Flat Rock, for weeks, all our people that read are on a high, a good high. 
it's a lot better than you can ever get from drugs or alcohol. And a lot of our guys have done both. The young ones usually do the drugs. Vietnam veterans, a lot of them are alcoholics. But most of us were workaholics. And so when we retired, all of it came down on us. And what that's what we're finding. So when Dr. Kelly, we, we were his patients. He, you know, he was our medical doctor. He saw that in us. And he felt like that he could do something mental health couldn't. And he started this program. And it has. It's, I don't know of a, a man that went through those early classes in the basement of the Charles George VA Hospital that, that didn't come out feeling so much better. Now, when you say you're on a high after uh, one of those readings, is it because of the feedback you get from the audience, or is it just the ability to get it out? The standing ovations, to see that, you know, for years we were told, don't tell anybody what you did. You know, they don't care about what you went through. And, you know, in society, and especially the press sometimes, Makes it makes you feel that way because Vietnam veterans got a lot of that, right? Yeah. And did you, know. you say earlier in this conversation that they still ask you to tamp it down, to kind of forget it and don't talk about it? The military when the military you're when you're leaving? Yes, yeah. my, my my son just retired from the Marine Corps. You know, and and you go through those processes at the end. You know, but you know, don't ever talk about Afghanistan, which he was in, or if you were in Iraq or. If you're in Desert Storm, and and so many of us, you know, I myself, because of Agent Orange, I have a couple of really severe health issues, and we see that with our guys that are, and girls that are riding, and now you know with the burn pits and all the chemicals that were used in Iraq and Afghanistan, especially Desert Storm, mm-hmm. we see these vets that are you know, physically sick. Mm-hmm. And, but VA has a great, a lot of the vets, because, you know, machonism or whatever doesn't want to go to therapy. I go to therapy every six weeks now. It used to be every week. And now we're up to six weeks, and I'm proud of that. But it keeps me, that and writing keeps me balanced. And what Ron and I do for this foundation to see these young vets, to see that guy get a job, something he's wanted for 14 years, and to be successful at it. You know, because, you know, just like society, we want our veterans to be clear where they can be productive in society and reach their goals. We don't want them to sit at home and draw a check. And they don't want to do that. I have never met met a a veteran that served their country and wants to do that. And and we've given them the opportunity to manage where they can work in the workplace. So, ladies and gentlemen, when you buy one of these books from RedHawkPublications.com, you're not just buying a book. You are investing in the uh, future of uh, veterans. You're, in, you're investing in the future of human beings in our society who have given of themselves uh, aspects that uh, a lot of us do not have the, <laughs> do not have the uh, strength to give. And proceeds of this book go where? The proceeds of the book go to um, the North Carolina Veterans Writing Alliance, and we use the proceeds. We're we're a strictly volunteer organization. Nobody draws a salary or anything like that. And uh, the proceeds from the book and the proceeds from the speaking engagements that we do, if there's uh, compensation, all go toward doing the classes. We pay our writer and residents to do the classes and uh, pay for the cost of the books and that sort of thing. So all of it just goes right back into the program 
to provide more classes for more veterans. So this will, in essence, the the second book will help propel the third class. And because you write about there's, I think Dr. Kelly maybe mentions it in here that there's a lot of those stories that haven't come to print yet that may or they may stay in a notebook somewhere. But the main thrust of it is just helping veterans get those stories out or get them told. Exactly. Even, even if it's only to the, the rest of the group or maybe even only to themselves. Exactly. And yeah. it is very, very important, folks, for people who have not been in the military to read books like this to understand, understand yeah. the sacrifices made by the people who do make the military a career or just dip themselves in it for a short amount of time because of you know some aspect of uh, uh, success in society. We have lots of students here at CVCC who choose the military to help pay for their uh, education uh, because otherwise they may wind up you know in trouble in their uh, particular economic situation they may in, may be in. Sometimes the military is the only way they've got to you know, get out of a bad situation in their in their homes. So it is important that books like this exist to let those of us who have not been in the military know what it is like to be one of the brothers and sisters. Uh, we had a a, a man recently is in one of our last classes. I get a phone call at night from somebody that's not supposed to call me, so I'm not going to say where they were from or anything like that. But he came out of suicide prevention. He had tried to commit suicide twice in six months. I was given his number. I called him. We got to talking. And Ron Ron and Elizabeth had just started a class. And I just met him over there and took him in, introduced him to class. Nobody knew why he was there other than he's just another vet. And this guy has completely turned around. He wrote a story about how it saved his life. Really? Yeah. He went through a personal experience, and this had, because... Vietnam just kept coming back to him time and time again. And so this bad experience with his family had happened. He had just moved to the western North Carolina. And then when he called the suicide hotline. And then it was just, you know, this person told me, said, I have no idea what to do with this man because of what he's going through. And I... And, we did outreach with these people. We do outreach with Ron and I have and Alan Perkel. And we've done all this outreach with suicide prevention and different people. So, so they respect what we do. And that adds to your range of stories. It's not just uh, veterans talking about what it was like when they were serving. It's some of the process they've went through right. since they've been back and how to the places that can take you, which right. are Sometimes not right. good at all. I mean, you're leading to suicide and the like. Right. Yeah. Um, for a veteran who is interested in seeing what this is more about, what should they do? They should go to our website, just send us an inquiry, and then either Ron or myself will get get back with them. Uh, not, not only the... the Resident writer that teaches our classes with Ron, Elizabeth Henney, she worked nine years active duty going to and coming back from Iraq and Afghanistan on Army bases, Navy bases, Marine Corps bases. So she's a vet too? She's, she, she's she, a counselor who worked with the veterans that were yeah. going okay. and so coming she, back. So she's a therapist. We've had, we had a guy that, that uh, had a flashback. She took care of it right then. And that's, we get a twofer with her, you know. We, Therapy and writing. Right. Yeah. Because she knows how to handle these vets if they go off or if that memory brings back a really traumatic brain thought to them and and they go off in class. She knows how to handle that. 
and we're we're just so blessed with her. She just ended up in Asheville. You know, she was from out west, and she just ended up there. And our, our guys and girls just love her, you know. And so, you know, it's it it just builds such camaraderie with with the veterans, but they they think she's an honorary vet, just like what you just said, because uh, she really knows so much about veterans. She wrote a great book that helped me understand Iraq and Afghan vets. You know, the honor is mine. Mm. And if you ever get a chance, you should read this book. It's so emotional how she dealt with these 18, 19, 20-year-olds getting ready to go to Afghanistan or when they come back and what it was doing to them and their uh, families. and So she she's talked to the mothers, she's talked to the wives, you know, and helped with them also. So a person can Google the North Carolina Veterans Writers... Writing Alliance. Writing, Writing Alliance. Okay, North Carolina Veterans Writing Alliance. Just put that in your Googleplex, your Google machine, and that will take you to your website where they can then contact you. Now, will that take you also to that video um, that it's about a 10-minute piece that shows some of the readings that some of the uh, veterans staged? There was a, a video piece, I remember. Yes, I believe that that's on there, and uh, we're getting ready to add a couple more. There have been uh, two or three videos that have been done that that uh, we're going to have on the website. But I believe it's brothers and sisters uh, like these dot GoDaddy.com. So. Okay, did you get that? If not, just put it on pause, put it in your Google machine, and then unpause us. There, there you go. Because <laughs> that's the great thing about a podcast. Yeah, you can listen right. to it anytime. And back it up and go forward. Yeah. Now, the, the Flat Rock event in late January, I take it that, kind of like the first one, you sort of had a bit of a tour road tour with this where you took it to other places. Are you guys open to doing that if someone uh, would like for you to come visit? We would like to go to anywhere in the state of North Carolina and and do this program. Okay. And, uh, you know, uh, we can do it at a small venue and bring five readers, or we can do it at a large venue like we've done it in Cary and Outer Banks and all these places where we can bring, you know, 12, 15 readers. And uh, it's just a great night for people to sit down. You know, we've had a lot of people show up that they lost loved ones in Vietnam, Iraq, Afghanistan. We do have a gold star mother in our group. And it's just unbelievable. Her son was, was killed on his second tour in Iraq. You know, we have a widow in our group that her husband got to do one reading with us, and he passed away, complications of Agent Orange. We've got three DRs in there, DR1, DR2, and DR3. We've lost two of them this year, complications from PTSD and Agent Orange. So this is open. I mean, the, the field is you know, it's open quite a wide to... Um, Children of vets, does it? Oh, yes. Okay. And, and we've we've had, like, the Asheville School of Boys, and we've had uh, private schools and elementary schools. We had elementary school take my stories and win Destination Imagination and beat out the Russians with did my story about <laughs> take how, that, I, <laughs> how, how I ended up in Vietnam and Marine Corps. Okay. And, and one young man played me and one played my grandfather because he was the man in my life because I never knew my father. And then one played my mother, you know, and it was just fabulous. And they won, they won the state of North Carolina. They went to the uh, international stage out in Salt Lake City, and they won, won – uh, a big award there with that story because nobody had ever done a story about a veteran. What was that like to see your That's life portrayed oh, like that? I'm, I'm driving a school bus because my wife's a principal and and I was retired and I couldn't be still and, and I was driving a school bus and these kids wanted to hear my stories. And then they 
They were going to do. I went out over a dog. They were going to do a story. <laughs> <laughs> Praise indeed from school children. Yes. <laughs> so they were going to do a story about uh, PTSD dogs, or you know, support animals. Support animals. Yeah. And uh, I was getting them information about that, and then they, I get off the bus one morning, and they call me in the little auditorium. They, I don't know whether you've ever seen a little auditorium the kids sit you know, Indian style on the floor. So they had me a chair sitting there. And and all of a sudden, these kids come out from Destination Imagination, and and this young man looks out, and he says, Hi, I'm Steve Henderson. And I'm sitting there, tears just rolling down my cheeks. The last day, through complications of Agent Orange, I, I could not pass the CDL test there at the end, and I couldn't drive anymore. So the last day I'm driving, the kids line the halls, and this is an 800-plus group elementary school, and they're welcoming me home because they heard the story we were never welcomed home. And... I'm I'm trying to get to the bus and drive the bus and you know I'm wiping tears and they're brought me all these uh, nice posters and cookies and all kind of stuff and uh, so when I start on my bus route down 74, the mothers and fathers are standing out there with Oh us. goodness. Well, I'll tell you what, people at Red Pub Pod listeners, this is the first time that your co-host has ever gotten teary-eyed. And <laughs> <laughs> that's a great story. But I would figure, just a well, from what I saw with the videos, your evenings are like that. There's not a dry eye in the oh, house no. after after the readings. Standing ovations. The, you know, the, these guys have, for years, suppressed this inside of them and, and women, and, and then all of a sudden they get these standing ovations, and it's just unbelievable. They finally got recognized for serving their great nation, mm. and they're so proud of that, but, but they were told to go home and not talk about it. Yeah. You know, and even the Iraq, Afghan, Desert Storm vets, they come home and nobody understands them. A lot of them come home, you know, you just wouldn't believe how many of our people that their spouses left them while they were in war. Mm-hmm. You know, so we have to get them, get them to quit writing about that because, you know, that's something some people want to dwell on them, and we can't have that in our readings because we want something at the end of the reading to come out positive, not negative. You know, but... But people don't understand, you know, what the families go through. Mm-hmm. But when they hear the vets read about this and their story, the families that stayed with them and care about them and the children that were never, weren't even born at the time, they're so proud of Papa or they're proud, you know. I mean, most of us were treated... You know, we sat in a corner at Christmas and things like that, and the kids didn't understand us. The grandkids didn't understand us. But now we found through writing and the grandchildren coming and the children that we're more accepted in our families. I know when I have a big get-together at my home, I read a piece. And, And my cousins that... I always thought I was the odd guy in the group. It's just our relationship has gotten so much closer together. You've got connections yeah. that, that if you hadn't written it, you might not have, you probably wouldn't have. Right. Right, exactly, yeah. You know, Mr. Eller, I, I, you can kill me later if you want to <laughs> because you're, you're like the executive director of the program. But you know what? There's something, something moving me today that I think that Red Hawk Publications – should donate this first bunch of books, these first five cases of this book, to the North Carolina Let's Veterans Writing uh, to where they can make the top amount of money off of these books. Um, because, you know, that's just, this is just something that needs to be that needs to be out there. So we've got 150 copies that you guys ordered for your January 29th. And with my boss man's 
okay. <laughs> I have now gone on record as saying yes. So. I, I think, because I'm like the chief financial guy, so... Uh, guys, we would like to do that for you today. We'll even haul uh, them to the car. Yeah, we'll take them to the car for you. So. <laughs> we'll carry them for you. <laughs> but uh, this this is just this is just too good. I want everybody to read this book, and I want your program to be able to thrive. Um, so I've been sitting here thinking about what to do, and that's the thing that I think that we should do. So I hope you don't mind if we do that. <laughs> I'm I'm speechless. We we that that's just awesome. Uh, we would really appreciate it. Uh, and what we would like to also give as a consideration is that we would be willing to come here in Hickory and conduct classes here at the community college or you know an, an appropriate place. Uh, we usually try to do eight or ten members in each class, and that seems to work best. Uh, I understand that you have a number of young veterans that are in your programs, and uh, hopefully we can spread the word to them and offer the program to them. We're willing to go within a reasonable distance of, of our home base area in Asheville, but we would definitely, we want to expand this program all over the state. Well, thank you. You're doing nothing but good. And so we, we love being partners with you guys because it is incredible how it's grown, and it'll only grow further from you know whatever you guys do. So thank you for allowing us to be a part of it. And I would argue that if you get this book, you need to go to one of the readings because they work really well together. I mean, you understand it by reading it, but I'll bet, because just, I've just seen from the videos, watching the the vets read their stories is another extremely powerful uh, way to, to get this information out. So, And another thing that's marvelous is go to, go to the readings. Yeah. Uh, take yeah. a trip up to Flat Rock and buy the book there and get the signatures on the essays, you know, turn to the turn to the pages that the essays are, and the readers that are there. Let them sign your book as something as a keepsake. Let them know how much you enjoy what they've written and how happy you are that their transformation uh, has taken place because of this program. You know, just give them that appreciation. So, because I think what some of this is 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 delayed respect. You know that you you these these readers are finally getting the respect that they they should have gotten a long time ago. I mean, you guys are, are personification of that. But that you finally, you guys, when you read it, finally find an, the audience who says yes, we respect what you did. We appreciate that. We've you know we've we've come to understand it in a way that we didn't before. I mean, thank you for your service is a good thing. But you can really thank a vet for his or her service if you attend these readings, if you support veterans' causes, if you support support these kind of programs that help veterans. And there are many of them, as you guys have mentioned today, the veteran courts and things like that. They need money to keep running, too. So anytime that you can say thank you for your service by sitting down and writing a check to one of these uh, marvelous programs that help these folks. Takes it to a whole other level. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Ron, Stephen, thank you so much for being a part of um, the program and for blessing us with the opportunity to produce this. And thank you for being here today. Yeah, well, either well, one of you got any more to say? <laughs> we, we, I'm sure there's more stories. We've yeah. really enjoyed this. We've really enjoyed the professionalism and, and the heart that you folks here at the community college have and, and, and the press and I, I just uh, I hope some of you will come we would like to recognize you there uh, if you could send somebody or all of you come that we've we dealt with because this is this is I, I was telling Ron on the way down here this has been a wonderful experience and I hope we get to do some more books. And we do have some of our guys that are writing books. And we're going to steer them your way. Well, thank because, you. Because thank they, you very much. Because uh, 
we've got one that just passed away, and his his wife is putting it together. And I've recommended to her that we bring it here, and it's it's going to be quite moving. Uh, he was a medic in, in Vietnam, and the the things that he saw and went through, and and uh, he was he was just a fabulous writer, and he lives in Old Fort, North Carolina, and so. Um, we uh, we definitely want to continue this what we've got here because meeting with you guys and, and, and how you've treated us and how you care about our vets and and our stories uh, is second to none. That's right. Well, you know? thank you. We certainly appreciate that. Uh, we only have one request of you. At the end of Red Pud Pod, we ask, can you say that three times fast? <laughs> can you say, welcome to Red Pub Pod? All right, <laughs> <laughs> just once. Could you say it just, just once? once. <laughs> welcome to Red Bud Pod. There you go. Welcome to Red Bud Pod. <laughs> <laughs> That's good, too. <laughs> Thank you for joining us, and make sure you get a copy of Brothers and Sisters Like These, an anthology of writings by veterans, 77 stories by 35, 40, some, uh, you know, yeah. Yeah, a couple of have, have different stories in here. You will not regret it. Bring your tissue. Six by nine trade paperback, 15 bucks retail. Get it on Red Pub Pod. <laughs> oh, you can get it on redhawkpublications.com, but oh, yeah, we yeah. also want you to go to Flat Rock and then get it from them, too. And more dates to be announced soon. Absolutely. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank yeah. you. Thank you, gentlemen, very much. Thank you. This has been Red Pub Pod. Red Cup Pot. Red Cup Pot. A podcast. Red Bud Pot. From Red Hawk Publications. <laughs> That's good too. Red Cup Pot.